Hey everyone, this is Jason Shappert, and you're listening to the Private Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What should you expect on your private pilot checkride? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and we've really built our entire business around that model of helping students not only prep, prepare, and certainly exceed uh, all expectations on their check rides, but being safe, real-world pilots. That being said, if you have not grabbed a copy of our best-selling book, really, it was our original book called Pass Your Private Pilot Checkride. It's certainly grown and evolved well into its third edition. Uh, more updates will be coming down the road, I'm sure. But for now, it is basically a mock checkride in a book. I ask a question. Every question on there came from an actual FAA checkride. Checkrides from all around the country, all different FISDOs and locations. Wrote those questions down, provide the best answer. I do the same thing in an audiobook. It's a companion ebook and audiobook. I ask the question on the audio just like you're listening to me now. I pause for a second, let you think about the answer in your head, and then I give you that proper answer. It's like a mock check ride while you're walking the dog, driving to work, on the treadmill at the gym, whatever it may be for you. By the way, um, you can grab that in the m0a.com store. Uh, you'll see at the very top of our website says our products. You can find it up in there in ebook as well as paperback format uh, if you still would like to have a paperback of that. So great seeing you guys at Oshkosh. So great meeting and just seeing so many faces up there. What a wonderful uh, experience and just so thankful for that. So uh, very, very blessed, very, very excited uh, to meet so many of you guys. Let's talk about that private pilot check ride for a moment now. And I want to start out with a very bold statement that very few instructors, even examiners will tell you. But it, the, when you say it this way, they'll say, yeah, that's true. And here's that bold statement. You don't have to know everything, but you need to know where to find it. Now, Let's not use that bold statement as a cop-out for, oh, well, you know, it's no big deal. I don't need to memorize all that sort of stuff. No, let's use it as, listen, you've got two, maybe three get-out-of-jail-free cards. For example, when they ask you about the four types of hypoxia and you go hypoxic, hypemic, uh, I, I, you know, I know there's two others. I can kind of tell you a little bit about them. I can't remember their name, but I know where to find the answer. And you go and you dive in Jason's best-selling book, Pass Your Private Pilot Checkride. Shameless plug, sorry. But you, or you dive in whatever book you need to, the P-Hack, whatever it may be, to find that answer. P-Hack, of course, Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge. P-Hack, that's what we call it in the business. Um, you don't have to know everything, but you need to know where to find it. So what I, what I want to do, taking that bold statement, I want to break down for you my checkride formula in, let's say, 15 minutes or less. I'm going to do my best to work through this here for you. Um, I've done entire two-hour-long webinars 
on this information I'm going to try to instill in you in about 15 minutes uh, to, to be courteous of your time here. So let's let's work through it. Obviously, if you want more, you can buy the book. You can sign up for the online ground school, and we talk about this stuff at, uh, at length. But let's dive into this. This is now, of course... This is assuming, let's say you've been studying the book past your private pilot check read. The book is 12 chapters, so at least a chapter a night. Um, this isn't assuming you're coming to this check ride cold without any studying. I'm assuming you've got whatever study method works best for you. That's a whole nother podcast we can talk about how to study and what works best for you. But I'm assuming you know what works best for you. Either you're using our products or you're using something your instructor's given you uh, to keep yourself on that right track. Again, like I say, our book's 12 chapters, uh, a chapter a night sort of stuff, all right? No cramming the night before. Studies have actually shown that cramming before a big test doesn't work. In fact, you actually forget more of that information if you try to literally cram it all in there. So no cramming the night before. I'm okay with you flight planning the night before. In fact, I encourage that. Um, unless you're an early riser, and rather do it uh, the morning of. But no cramming the night before. I believe Uncle Larry's, uh, world famous Uncle Larry's rule of thumb is 24 hours before the test, basically stop studying. It might be as close to 12 hours. I, I'm not sure he'll listen to this. I'm sure he'll correct me regardless. But I don't. We're not back in college anymore. We're not going to cram the night before for a check ride. Something we should be getting a good night's rest, you know, eating a, a eating a nice healthy dinner rather than trying to cram and stay up and, and wake up with bags under our eyes. No, get a good night's rest. No cramming the night before. Now you have two options here. The night before, you can, like I said, I'm okay with you doing your flight plan. Remember, on your private pilot check ride, you're going to have to plan a fictitious cross-country. I say it's a fictitious cross-country because when you depart on it, you might make it to the first checkpoint. More than likely, you won't. He or she will divert you before then. But they're going to want to see how you flight plan. So feel free to flight plan the night before. Or if you're an early riser like myself, I used to wake up an hour, two hours earlier just because I, I, I'm a morning person. I don't do well. Uh, those of you who know me well, uh, you see this hyped up, energized Jason. Well, catch me around like eight o'clock at night. Uh, you see a different tired Jason. Um, I don't do well at night. I'm a 5 a.m. kind of person. I would pick over 8 p.m. all day, as crazy as that sounds. But you know what works best for you. So morning of or night before. It really doesn't matter because here's what you're going to do. I want you, and this is mandatory, guys, to print out the weather and the winds that you used to flight plan. Here's why. If I were to flight plan the night before, and the winds aloft were 270 at 20, and I do all my flight plan and all my ground speed, all my wind correction angles based on 270 at 20, and then I wake up and I show up to my check ride and the winds are all of a sudden now 090 at 10, well, we're going to depart on that cross country and all my times are going to be off. All my fuel burns going to be off if we were to really do that cross country, right? 
So that's why it's so important to say, Mr. or Miss Examiner, here's my cross-country flight plan. I did it last night, uh, but here's the weather that I used so you know I know how to do it. Obviously, in you know, I would have woken up bright and early this morning and, and done it all the morning of my flight or the day of my flight to be more accurate, but I valued maybe getting a little bit more sleep uh, to be prepared for this. I know how to do it, though, is what you're showing them. Because you're not really departing on this cross-country. All they want to see is, can you really flight plan? So print out the weather and the winds that you use to flight plan because that weather and those winds will change. Now, the actual morning of, and I'm giving you more stuff than, uh, I might go over my 15 minutes here, but it's, it's important stuff. This is before we've even gotten to, you know, check ride pitfalls and everything else. Morning of, I want you to eat your typical breakfast. Uh, you know, one cup of coffee, one cup of tea, whatever, if you do any caffeine, anything like that, a little bit. A common mistake people make is, I am so nervous, I don't think I can, if I eat, I'm just going to throw it up because I'm so nervous. You're actually, you know, more likely to throw up having nothing in your stomach, but whatever liquid is in there, um, because you're so nervous. You know, eat something, your typical breakfast, your oatmeal, something, eggs, whatever it may be, one cup of coffee, one cup of tea, so you're not running to the restroom constantly, um, and pack some snacks, you don't realize how long this check ride is going to be. You often hear, oh, it's an hour oral exam and an hour flight. But you forget about the 30 minutes of paperwork before it, the, the 15, 20 minute pre-flight because they're going to want to see a pre-flight, the 30 minute post-flight uh, of doing all the paperwork. And then a lot of times you have to fly to and from your check ride examiner. I know my students do. He's 70 miles away. We don't have a lot of check ride examiners in our area at least the one I use, 70 miles away. So pack some snacks, some water, whatever else. Uh, be prepared. Let's talk about what actually to bring to your check ride. It'd be easiest for me just to say to bring everything because uh, it's just about. I used to, uh, the kids at the, at the flight school I went to used to make fun of me because, oh, here comes Jason, he must have another check ride. I would come in with milk crates full of my books, literally. I would back up, I had an old Honda Element, and I would back up my Honda Element right to the briefing room, pop open the hatch, and I had four or five milk crates, like big wooden milk crates, full of books, and I would take them and I would place them in the flight briefing room where the, uh, where the check ride was going to take place. I brought every book I owned about aviation because I understood the rule of I don't have to know everything, but I need to know where to find it. And it's important to know that. I had a check ride examiner ask me once, so I see you brought all those books. You know everything in there, right? And I gave him that exact answer. I said, no, sir, but I'd be willing to bet I know where to find it. Um, I don't know everything. And you have to be humble enough to know that as well. So short of saying bring in everything, let me give you some examples. Your far aim needs to be brought with you. It needs to be for your current year, please. Don't show up for your 2015 check ride with a 2014 far aim. You say, ah, oh, it's only a year. Your check ride examiner has every right to fail you right off the bat, just like that, for bringing in expired material. Same goes for your charts, same goes for your airport facilities directory. If you have paper versions of that, they need to be current. If you have, have them on your iPad, they need to be current. I recommend both, obviously. You've heard me talk about that plenty of times. Needs to be current. 
Now, Far Aim tabbed and highlighted. We have a book, again, called The Far Aim in Plain English, where I took out what you need to know for a private pilot. Well, you can have that book as well as the actual Far Aim and take those FARs and highlight the important stuff and tab them. I will never forget when my very first students showed up to his check ride. I said, make sure you bring your Far Aim, bring all this sort of stuff. He shows up, he puts his Far Aim down. It is the day of his check ride. The Far Aim is still in the shrink wrap. He had never even opened it. I'm thinking, bud, I'd rather you say you forgot your far aim than bring one that's never been opened. So literally, we had about 15 minutes till the, the examiner got there. We ripped it out of, the, out of the shrink wrap and I am literally, I took it outside and scraped it up and down the sidewalk. I ripped some pages. I, I highlighted a few things, dog-eared a few pages to make it look like he actually used it. Because I, <laughs> call, I know it's bad, but... I know that checkride examiner would have had a fit if that far aim was still in the shrink wrap and looked like it had never been opened. Uh, you know, my student, of course, passed with flying colors, um, but still, um, your far aim should be well used, um, to, to put it simply. Tabbed, highlighted, dog-eared, whatever it takes on the important regulations to help you better navigate the far aim. Your cross-country flight plan should be handwritten with a digital backup. In fact, call me crazy. For my check rides, I have I did this and I have my students do this. Hand write out the flight plan. You know, manual E6B, manual numbers, calculator, whatever. Then I have them run the same flight plan on the iPad or the computer, whatever they're using, to double check it. They save it on the iPad. They also print it out via AirPrint or whatever uh, from the iPad or from the computer. So I've got a handwritten version. I've got a digital version that is printed. And I have that same digital version on the iPad itself. I've got triple redundancy for my flight plan because... 50% of your oral exam is going to be spent talking about that flight plan, talking about the numbers, talking about the route. How did you come to this number? Why did you pick this altitude? What about this restricted airspace? What does this symbol mean that you're going to pass there for that cross-country uh, checkpoint? At least 50% will be spent there. I want triple redundancy in that department. You know, I go over this in the book uh, in greater detail, past your private pilot check ride. In fact, I have something in there called the check ride blueprint, which literally goes step by step from what to eat, how to dress, to, to everything else we're kind of talking about. I'm kind of giving you that in a summary. So uh, again, I apologize if I go over 15 minutes, but let's keep moving forward here. Um, your paperwork. You're going to spend at minimum 30 minutes just going over paperwork. Are you even qualified to take this check ride? You know, have you met this requirement? Did you do this flight? Do you have this these many hours? Do you have this endorsement? They're going to look at the hour requirements. They're going to look at what's called your IACRA. You're going to have what's called an FTN number. Now listen to me. This blows my mind. I've seen more and more, and I'm going to talk about this in my CFI podcast to try to get some more flight instructors on board with this. I've seen more and more flight instructors make their students do the IACRA, which is a pain in the butt online system, you know, write down their FTN numbers, all this sort of stuff. And I do it for my students just because I believe my students' most important task should be 
studying for the check ride, not fumbling around on a government website trying to figure out how to fill it out. Because IACRA, I do about one a week and I still don't understand it sometimes. It's a government website. What do you expect? Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. I just hope that um, that your student or your instructor uh, doesn't make you have to do it yourself. If they do, shoot me an email. I've done it. The reason I do about one a week is because I actually help out with our online ground school members who say, hey, Jason, listen, my check ride's uh, you know, two days away. Uh, I need to do some studying, but I can't figure out this IACRA thing. I'm like, I don't want you figuring out IACRA. I want you studying. So if you're in that situation, your online ground school member, uh, myself or the team here at m0a.com, let us be your IACRA concierge, uh, if you can call us that and help you with that because it's a pain in the butt. Um, they're going to look at that though. Your examiner is going to look at your endorsements. Please, please, please don't forget your logbook. Don't forget your medical. Don't forget your ID. Here's two big things that often get forgotten. Your written test. If you're a good pilot, like I uh, assume you are, uh, anyone who's in our online ground school knows this rule of thumb. I like to knock out the written test well before the check ride, certainly. I never want to do written test, then check ride back to back. In fact, most of my students, I like them to do their written test and knock out ground school before they even take like their first or second flight lesson. I'm okay with a lesson or two to make sure you really like flying and you're not getting nauseous, anything like that, and you're really committed to it before you commit the time on the ground school. But don't forget your written test. I want the, the embossed version with the, uh, you know, the, the raised stamp and everything else. It's got to be the original. You can make copies, but it's got to be the original that you got to bring with you. Your photo ID and don't forget cash money. This is going to sound really funny, but your checkride, I have never met a checkride examiner that takes check or credit card. They all want cash. And they'll tell you, oh, we've had a, a lot of return checks recently and yada, yada, yada. I don't want to pay the credit card processing fees and this sort of stuff. I think it's very funny though, that someone who is, um, essentially a contractor for the FAA, they're a contractor for the government, is cash only. Uh, you know, this isn't a podcast about taxes or anything, but I'm just telling you, I find it humorous that they're mostly, what I've seen, a cash only business. Do make sure you know how much they are and make sure you have cash money for them. Your dress for your check ride should be like business casual. You know, we do most of our, most of the check rides I sit in on are in Florida. Um, it is hot, hot weather. You don't need to be wearing your three-piece suit, tie, anything like that. Obviously, if it's winter time and it permits that, that's cool. Um, but don't don't worry about uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, business casual, khakis, tucked in uh, polo. Think you think like you're going golfing at a halfway decent golf course. Not quite the country club, uh, but not your municipal course. Somewhere right in between uh, is how I would dress for something like that. Now. I want you to realize, like I said, the first 30 minutes of your check ride are all going to be paperwork. Are you even qualified to take this check ride? Do you have the endorsements, the hours, is IACRA done properly, is the written test, you have it all here, is everything good to go? They'll ask you about your flights, oh, tell me about your cross-country flight from here. They'll type it in on their iPad or their computer to make sure it's really 50 nautical miles and they can call it a cross-country. And they'll ask you questions about it. And then they'll give you the words, and this is new. Uh, new within like the past uh, year and a half, let's say. They're going to give you what's called the, your pilot's bill of rights. 
Uh, you have to sign it. Um, and then they have to utter the words, the check ride has begun. It used to be back in the day when I would take check rides, the check ride started the moment that uh, uh, that examiner pulled up and they start going through your logbook. They'd be going through your logbook asking you questions about hypoxia or whatever else it may be. Um, they can't do that much anymore. Well, they can do that, but they can't use your answers for you or against you until they utter the words, the check ride has begun. Now, once that check ride has begun, I want you to avoid falling into a check ride pitfall. Here's what I mean by that when I say a checkride pitfall. A checkride pitfall is giving too much information. Let's keep with the hypoxia example here for a second. Let's say they ask you, the examiner asks you the following question. So um, tell me um, about our supplemental oxygen requirements. And you go, well, yes, you can find those in FAR 91211. And if you notice, uh, at 12,500 feet, we, you're, we need to be, and you give them the whole, all the oxygen requirements. And the reason we need to be on oxygen requirements is because of hypoxia. There's four types of hypoxia. And you stop there and they go, because you can't remember the four types. And then they go, oh, cool. Tell me about the four types of hypoxia. And you dug yourself into a checkride pitfall. See, the question was, tell me about supplemental oxygen. They don't care about what FAR regulation is. They want to know 12,500, 14,000, 15,000. They want to know those three numbers and, and, and what falls under those. Passengers, not required, that sort of stuff. That's all they want to know. They didn't ask about hypoxia. You brought it up. And you sometimes... Giving yes or no answers is a good thing. A check ride is a good place to just give straight answers. They ask you about supplemental oxygen requirements, just tell them about that. Don't dive into hypoxia. If they want to dive into hypoxia, they will. But you don't need to bring it up. It's very hard. I struggled with check rides because as you can tell, like I told you, this was going to be a 15 minute podcast. I'm well over that. Um, I am a professional rambler. Um, I, I invented the check ride pitfall, I'd like to think, because I was that guy. I would keep rambling until I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Kind of like the guy who just reads the headlines of the newspaper and doesn't know the whole story. That was me going through check rides. Avoid a check ride pitfall. Give them the information they asked for and be done with it. It's that simple. Now, on the actual flight, once you get through the oral exam, for the actual flight, you're gonna do one of two things first. You're either going to start with landings or you're gonna start with your VFR cross country. Most examiners nowadays are starting with landings. I'd ask them, by the way, how you're gonna start. Um, most are starting with landings because they believe, listen, if you can't nail your landings, there is no reason for us to continue the check ride and go do the other stuff. You gotta be able to nail your landings. So a lot of them will start with the landings and then from one of the landings, you'll depart on your VFR cross country flight. If you start on your VFR cross country flight, you'll depart, you'll maybe find your first checkpoint, make sure you start your time, everything else is good, tracking your course, everything's great. You might find your first checkpoint before they divert you. And they're gonna divert you and they're gonna expect you to answer a few questions. First off, what heading is gonna get me to this diversion airport? How fast am I going? How long is it gonna take me? And do I have enough fuel to get there? Truthfully, if you just get heading in that general direction and can answer the question, how long is it gonna take me to get there? And do I have enough fuel to get there? You've passed the diversion portion of the check ride. 
it's not that hard. A lot of people sweat over it. Um, I have a video out there um, called my number one checkride tip. In fact, if you just go on YouTube and search uh, M0A number one checkride tip, it's, called, it's all about creating a wind card. Um, huge tip, great tip. I, it, overwhelmingly, most people who come up to us at like Oshkosh and events like that, Sun and Fun, say, Jason, it was your wind card trick that did it for me. You know, we have a lot of tips and tricks, but the wind card is a lot. We have a digital wind card that a great online ground school friend and fan uh, made for us. Um, He's a programmer who literally you type in. Um, well, let me tell you what a wind card essentially is. Um, I will know my ground speed for any heading, essentially. And what our program does, the gentleman made it, it's free to our online ground school members. You can make one manually as well. Uh, you type in the wind direction, the velocity, and it'll tell you your ground speed on any heading. So you know that if he diverts me out to the west and I'm flying a 270 heading, I know my Ground speed on that heading is X. Now I can figure out my time and figure out my fuel burn much easier than trying to figure out my ground speed first because that's the one that takes the most time to do it. Wind card. The video is called my number one check ride tip. And it's on YouTube. It's on m0a.com. You can go find it there. Listen, if you guys have not purchased or seen our book called Pass Your Private Pilot Checkride. It was our original book. It's the book that jump-started our business, really got us on the map. Um, it's been updated several times, very, very relevant. I encourage you to check it out. Go to the m0a.com store, go to m0a.com, click on our products to check it out. Ebook, audiobook, combo, um, you won't be disappointed. I think in, gosh, six years of selling that book, I don't believe we have ever had a refund on that book. Um, it is a book uh, people love and cherish uh, uh, and keep it close, certainly for their uh, check ride and, and keep coming back for the instrument pilot version as well. So um, guys, again, I'm sorry I went over my 15 minute mark. I hope, uh, hope you appreciate those little nuggets of wisdom uh, in there regardless anyways. Thanks so much for all you guys do. Thank you for making this podcast number one in iTunes under the aviation category. We couldn't have done it without you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.